Benedict Cumberbatch's sharp cheekbones. That checks all my boxes. That's all you need. That's all I need. Different podcasting. Our apologies. We are told that last episode the network did not appreciate our offensive and misguided rant about pineapples. They are apparently not. <coughs> oh, I'm peeking out the mic when I do that. And throwing your germs goddamn everywhere. Are we gonna, are you gonna introduce this segment or what? Yeah, um. This is, I am not a woman who needs no introduction. I need several introductions. Well, uh, yeah, so welcome to the show. Aunt I just found it on your couch. <laughs> I love you, Aunt Gilda. <laughs> you disappoint me. <laughs> We're off to a rough start. This episode is brought to you by Baby's Art. Absolutely Ara. not. This what? episode is sponsored by your goddamn Aunt Gilda. Give me no, the microphone. What? Give me the microphone. Give me the. Stop. I'll put you in that very small closet under the stairs. I know you hate that place. It's still dusty. I never clean under there because someday you might still need to learn a lesson. You're never too old to be punished. That's what all my lovers say to me anyway. And I love to punish them too. Have you ever tried BDSM? Neither of you should try BDSM. It's very, very dangerous. You could get in a lot of trouble. You could get hurt. You could end up finding that everyone you know and everyone you love is involved in the community. You know, they do not, architecture is not what it used to be. I can't even begin to, we don't have enough time to cover all the crises that are happening right now. First of all, I just found out that both of your asses don't want biological children. What's that all about, huh? What's that all about? You're not trying to squeeze a cantaloupe out of your, out of your, 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 your yoni? <laughs> out of your yoni, Greg? I, Listen, I want you to have biological children because you don't know what you're going to get. You want someone else's baby stank. Is that what you want? You don't want your own baby stank. You don't want to tear your asshole and your vagina into one hole, got a cloaca in front of everyone, shit the table in front of a bunch of fucking strangers. Is that what you don't want? You don't want your tits to sag below your knees and for your labia to swing around your neck like a goddamn infinity scarf? Is that not what you want? I came to this country so that I wouldn't have to leave the bed and I could just shit the sheets in someone else's problem. I just... I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just, I'm just not happy anymore. And I, uh, I left a really scathing Yelp review. <laughs> Craig, I thought you were getting me crippling guilt for Hanukkah. <laughs> I am. Uh, you can't make it worse than it already is. All right. <clears throat> I bet you're wondering if I'm going to talk about an animal again this month. And the answer is I'm not but I sort of am. Strap in, here we go. Have you heard of Mari Louid? Spelled M-A-R-I-L-W-Y-D because the Welsh don't give a fuck. I guess they don't. They don't, they never have, must be nice. So I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Anyone listening in Wales, you let us know. Mari Louid is the best holiday fun you've never heard of. It's a wassailing folk tradition in Wales. And in this case, wassailing, wassailing, I don't, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong too, means uh, a door-to-door bonanza. It's like canvassing without the politics. Uh, let me start you off with a visual. Imagine a hobby horse, but not just any hobby horse. Picture a person hiding underneath a bedsheet-looking cloth, carrying a pole, and so they're completely hidden under this cloth. They're carrying a pole, and at the top of the pole is mounted a horse skull. People used to put the bottoms of glass bottles in the eye sockets of the skull, but now they apparently opt for Christmas ornaments or even lights. I'm gonna show you a photo, don't worry. The whole thing is then covered in goddamn 
ribbons and bells. And some people allegedly get fancy and make it so that they can open and close the horse's mouth from within. Some people use a cow skull instead. Regardless of how you slice it, the whole thing makes me uncomfortable. And, by the way, one tradition involved said skull being buried throughout the year and then dug the fuck up just for the occasion. But that just depends on where you are. Basically, there are a lot of different rumors and theories about the origin of this holiday because it's so widespread across Britain, or was at least, and for so long, that now it's basically... Let me show you a photo before we go on. This is the creature. If you want to look it up, M-A-R-I-L-W-Y-D, look up that, and the thing you see that's a, a frickin' involving a horse skull. Mm. Here is just one example, Greg, for you to look at. I'm gonna make fun of Okay, that. come back, come back. I'm looking at the photo you sent me! <laughs> yes. Have you seen it? Yes. Okay. The tradition's history at least as far as we know, begins in 1800 and has been found in many corners of Britain, as I mentioned. In some villages, the festivities occurred on one day, in some on multiple consecutive nights. Similar traditions began with... Uh, so, was sailing what that comes from, the concept came from, uh, originally, the economically disempowered individuals who would provide entertainment in exchange for nourishment. So originally wassailing was like a mulled wine, but then it became people who would go door to door trying to get alcohol because people who were begging for it would ordinarily not be able to get any, but during the holiday season, people felt more giving. And so they'd be like, ah, you're disempowered. Here's a alcoholic beverage. So that's where the term comes from. I'm sure they didn't say it quite so PC. I'm but... going to take that soundbite out of context. <laughs> Great. I'm not running for office. Do what you want. Like most things, Marie Louise is pagan in origin, but it happens to fall around Christmas time, which also was originally pagan in origin, as we know. Uh, so there's a little team, there's a little group that includes the, the creepy horse person. It also includes a leader and a, uh, a couple others dressed up as merrymen. Sometimes they were like Punch and Judy characters, which were problematic in their own way, and sometimes they were in blackface, which is also problematic. And then there's the person in the horrifying horse costume. What they do, the tradition is that, like where the term comes from, they go house to house requesting entry by singing, song and rhyme. So you open the door and there's... Oh, <laughs> Someone in a horse skull and a bed sheet, cutting Christmas lights and ribbons. Someone leading the group in song, and then maybe a couple people in blackface. And they're singing to you about why you should let them into, into your home. I. What would you do? I would not have opened the door to fucking begin with. I think I would have opened it and then closed it. Without missing a in, beat. Yeah, all in one smooth motion and then be like, honey, it's the purge. And just like lock everything. <laughs> yeah. So, but what you're actually supposed to do, you're supposed to essentially engage in a mother-loving poetry slam. So literally, you open the door and this group is singing to you about why they should come in. What you then have to do as the homeowner is respond to them about why they can't come in, also in song. So you're basically having... Okay, so... I don't know if this is my favorite holiday or my least favorite holiday. It's both. Possibly both. So 
It's basically a battle of wits using excuses expressed through song, and they go back and forth like some sort of Dr. Seuss meets Tim Burton rap battle. And if the people in the house give up or run out of excuses, they then have to let the group in and feed them and let them drink all their booze. All of their booze. Well, I don't know. The all might be loose. So, once inside, Mary runs around, creating chaos, freaking everyone the fuck out. She's the horse. (laughs) The horse. So now you've let in this band of, of people, and... Someone in, again, a horse skull and a bedsheet is running around scaring your children while everyone else keeps singing. But now they're inside your house. And whoever, what? Did you talk to anyone who's ever celebrated this? No. Where? No. Did you, is How there would a I have video? Found? There is video, yes. I you watched you video. videos. I watched, a, I watched a video, a very old video. I will show it to you at the end. Oh, when you say very old. It's In old. color? No. It's black and white. It's black and white footage of this. But, but only of the doorway, not of the havoc. I'm ready. Okay. You're going to have to wait a couple more minutes. Um, okay. And apparently this entire scene brings a year of good luck to the household. That's the fucking least it could bring, in my humble opinion. So, as I mentioned before, there's lots of debate as to what the name of the creature in the tradition translate to. There's lots of debate on how tied or separate it is from other religions, because people love to talk about religion. And there's lots of debate on the symbolism behind it all. Uh, My favorite of the latter was that the beast represents the harbinger of the, and I quote, Uneasy frontier between the living and the dead. My favorite frontier. The final frontier, some would argue. Artists such as Vernon Watkins, who we will revisit later, wrote that those at the door, quote, strain towards the fire which fosters and warms the living. Unquote. So I guess that there's some symbolism some people say about them. It's like a Dia de los Muertos thing where they're outside the door and they're cold and you're inside, and it's warm, and they're asking to come in to the warmth. So I, you know. Um, And as someone who briefly researched this with very little context, I personally think that just like most traditions, this is all just a game of telephone at this point. Gone berserk. Uh, So I watched a video of of a contemporary performance of uh, Mari Louise. I'll play both for you. Um, And in the contemporary one, it's just a group of folks playing drum music and wearing freaky costumes and dancing outside of someone's house. And... The only way I can describe it is if Hayao Miyazaki designed a telegram. It would look like this. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. So now I'm going to play you two videos that are going to upset you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the old video. Whoa, that is an old video. Look at the aspect ratio. You can hear the bells. I wish I knew what they were saying, but I don't. But presumably they're, they're giving excuses as to why they need to come inside and drink. To close, allow me to read you an excerpt from Vernon Watkins' poem, Ballad of Mari Louise, in 1941. <clears throat> Mary Louise, Louise Mary. A sacred thing through the night they carry. Betrayed are the living, betrayed the dead. All are confused by a horse's head. 
What a closer. What a closer. I think I already told you that I was excited about this topic because I felt like it checked a few yes, 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 yes. Jenna boxes. You didn't tell me what the Jenna boxes were. You just right. told me that they were had been checked. Right. <laughs> this here has elements of mystery. Oh. It has um, Jews. Okay. Relatable. And Knowing your audience. Good. And... Tell me what you know about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, uh, that he wrote Sherlock Holmes, that he created Sherlock Holmes, mm -hmm. the character, and that he was a doctor? Yes. And a Brit. Yes. That's what I know. All of these are true. <laughs> He also had the middle name Ignatius. Oh. Yeah, that's the right reaction. Um, Sir Arthur, wait, where did it go? Was it Sir Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle or Arthur, Sir, Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan, Conan Ignatius, Ignatius Doyle. Doyle? Yes. Or Sir Arthur Ignatius Conan Ignatius Doyle. <laughs> Don't do a spit take with wine. That's I just very got wine dangerous all to this white carpet. Face. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> Carpet will suffer. Today. Yes. I'm going to tell you uh -huh. about the time Sir Arthur Conan Doyle left the realm of fictional detective stories and became a detective. Oh. Right? Wow. Okay. Please do. The year's 1924. Great year for wine. And Doyle is shocked to receive an unexpected ringing of his doorbell. Are you going to do the whole thing like this? I, no. Oh. Should I? <laughs> no. Good. <laughs> Decidedly not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great so, intro, though. Thank you. Love the enthusiasm. Mm. An out-of-breath stranger stood on his doorstep. Oh, wow. His name was William Gordon. The man announced that he had a message to deliver. Was he the Jew in question? <laughs> if we do this with every character, this this will sound really bad. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, this could be our next game show. Guess that Jew! <laughs> right, and we just have a list of people, and one of them's Jewish. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that yeah they played that game. It didn't go well for people were related to. <laughs> Anyways, you remember? Remember how you said that every time we talked, I had to bring up the Holocaust. Yes, it continues to be true apparently, but I don't try to. I just want let the record show. <laughs> it's not on purpose. <laughs> Okay, so... <clears throat> Generational trauma. <clears throat> it's what's for breakfast. An out-of-breath stranger stood on his doorstep. His name was William Gordon. The, <laughs> the man Sorry. announced that he had a message to deliver, removed his dentures, and rescued from them a soggy strip of paper Ew. that began with, Gordon, my boy. What? It offered well wishes on his new freedom and requested that Gordon seek Doyle's help. The letter was signed Oscar Slater. Doyle recognized the name. The damp message had been smuggled to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's hand from Peterhead Prison, a miserable seaside prison in northeast Scotland. Okay. 
What a cold open. Right. Well done, Greg. Thank you. Pulling a message from your dentures, goddamn. To do this story justice, we'll have to rewind by 16 years okay. to the year 1908. And I'll let a radio broadcaster from the 1930s set the scene. Unsolved Mysteries. The scene is Glasgow, Scotland, the night of December 21st. Thick, soot-laden fog swirls along the dimly lighted streets. A fog so thick that it deadens even that roar of traffic which rises perpetually from Glasgow's teeming thoroughfares. So, what that announcer left out of his description was harsh xenophobia and anti-Semitism. Classic. Very popular in the 1930s. Yeah, especially in Europe. Um, And anti-immigrant sentiment also rose perpetually from Glasgow's teeming thoroughfares. This context is important because Oscar Slater was born Oscar Joseph Leschziner. He's the Jew. You were, you were wondering. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We found him. There, we found him. We found him. <clears throat> he was one of many German Jews who emigrated to Great Britain around the turn of the 20th century. So he's the one who wrote the note in the dentures? Yes. Okay. He's the denture note writer. So he and his wife, Antoinette, dabbled with several names that might shield them from anti-immigrant sentiment of the time, their plan failed. None of the names shielded them <laughs> at all. He's like, yes, my name is Anthony Christensen. Basically, yeah. Um, so Anthony, not a Cohen. <laughs> the, the article that I read listed four of his aliases, and they were all very, like... I'm trying to be Christian, guys. Uh, Sir David Whiteman. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Christian Whiteman. Christian Whiteman. <laughs> Christian Aryan Whiteman. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so. So it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. Um, but we need to meet another character before we get into Slater's story. Okay. This third character is Marion Gilchrist. She was a spinster who had declined into an oddly prescient paranoia. Same. She hoarded jewelry, Mm. feared for her safety, Mm. and kept to herself. I'm two out of three. I don't really care. I mean, the jewelry part, maybe not so much, but the rest, I feel. She told her maids and neighbors that she was afraid someone would make an attempt on her life. Oh. Gilchrist, aged 83 was proven right when she was beaten to death. Oh, shit. She was discovered by her neighbor and teenage maid. Her broken head had been tucked under a bloody rug. Ooh. Her diamond brooch was missing, and the cops were called. So her paranoia was not just paranoia then. She was right. Great. She was very fucking right. Great. Yeah. Do you need to spend a beat? No, 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 no. Let's better, better not. You, you can pour some out for her. You can do. I'll Dom's pour some out right Spardana. into my mouth. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, her brooch was missing. The cops were called. 
And the day after her murder, Oscar Slater pawned a brooch. Then he and Antoinette boarded the Lusitania to New York. Hmm. The long arm of Scotland Yard was waiting for him in the New World. NYPD officers holding a telegram questioned Slater. He showed them the receipt for the brooch he had pawned, and the description of the brooch didn't match the stolen brooch. Mm. Slater, therefore, chose to go back to Glasgow to clear his name. Wow, that's a long way to travel back then. Or even now. Yep. Just Just for that. He wanted people to not arrest him in Great Britain. Sure. Um, When he returned, he was shocked when the Scottish court found him guilty and sentenced him to death. Oh. This is that anti-Semitism thing you were talking about. Yeah. So the anti-immigrant sentiment comes in when old lady is murdered and they're like, huh, let's take down that immigrant guy. And as a matter of fact, so the police were aware of the fact that the brooch didn't match. The eyewitness account description didn't really match him, per se. But then they showed the witnesses' images of him. Oh, that's manipulative. And then for their lineup, it was him and then five Scotland Yard Scottish tall police officers and one short German Jew. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's fucked up. So it's like... That's them planting the, it in their brains so that it becomes confirmation bias. Exactly. Ugh. So... Problematic. But it's the cops. What do you expect? You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here for the 50th time. More. <laughs> it um, continues here. <laughs> so upon upon appeal, his sentence was commuted to life imprisonment. And two years later, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle learned about the Oscar Slater case because Doyle was a member of a dinner club that discussed crimes on a weekly basis. Okay, I would love to be in that kind of dinner club. Yeah, is that what this is? Is that what we're doing? (laughs) I mean, tonight... Anyway, that sounds cool. They called themselves the Crimes Club. Cute. Right? Love alliteration. Um, And when Doyle learned of the Slater case, he found himself reading every available article on the crime. And then when he ran out of articles, he asked the authorities for photos of the crime scene. Wow. And he was the highest paid writer in the world at the time and also wrote mystery fiction. And so the police were like, yeah, man. Here you go. Um, And what... So Doyle published a letter. um, It's now 1910 that he publishes this letter to the newspaper. he, He said, The murderer had taken one diamond brooch, but had left loose cash and a collection of jewelry untouched. Hmm. The photo in the newspaper showed that her reading room displayed a collection of jewelry that was valued at over 3,000 pounds. To put that into perspective, it was 20 years' salary of the policemen who inspected her home after her gruesome murder. 
What burglar would take one brooch and leave a fortune untouched? Someone who didn't need the money. Doyle went on to write that the intruder had to have been buzzed in. Marion Gilchrist had to have unbolted her three deadbolts to allow the murderer in. Would she have done this for Slater? No. Well, I don't know. A passing acquaintance at seven in the morning? Doyle also noted that a locked wooden letterbox had been smashed. He proposed that the only paper document that might be more valuable than the large collection of jewels might be Marion Gilchrist's will. At the end of his publication, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle backpedaled by saying, It's all very easy for me to offer these suggestions from the comfort of my armchair, whereas real detective work with feet on the pavement are another thing altogether. Hmm. Doyle's armchair assessment matched the working theory of a detective who had been working the case since 1909. Detective John Trench was one of the top detectives at Scotland Yard, and Trench was unsettled by the guilty conclusion for Slater and spoke to his superiors about the brooches not matching, the leading of witnesses, and the fortune left untouched by the supposed burglars. The mucky mucks told him that the situation was being handled. Air quotes. (laughs) Are you noting that for... For anyone listening. So... (laughs) Anyone and everyone consuming this in an auditory format. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Over the years Trench worked the case, he noticed that important documents to the case had been disappearing from the official file, Hmm. and names were being stricken from the record. It was a cop. That's my prediction. Because she would have opened the door for a cop, and cops can always cover shit up. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Tune in right now. (laughs) (laughs) Originally, the maid had said definitively that the man leaving the apartment was Austin Burrell, an associate of Marion Gilchrist's nephew. Okay. She had later changed her statement to identify Slater from a lineup that only included tall Scottish policemen and short Jewish Slater. Finally, Trench had discovered, through his interrogations, that Marion Gilchrist had changed her will just weeks before her murder and that the new copy was missing. Mm. He reported this to his superiors and three months later, Trench was suspended on false charges and removed from the force. It's someone in the system! It's someone in the system! It goes all the way to the top. Yes. Yep. That's what's happening. So. cab. After all of that, William Gordon, denture message mule extraordinaire, was standing (laughs) on Doyle's doorstep. Gordon convinced Doyle to revisit the case. He said, I'm just a man standing in front of another man. With my teeth outside my mouth. Fucking hell. <laughs> so he talked he talked Doyle into revisiting the case, and Doyle paid mountains of legal fees trying to free Slater. And ultimately his efforts were rewarded. Slater was freed after spending two decades oh. in prison. Wow. He was given 6,000 pounds as compensation for his lost 20 years. That <laughs> doesn't fix it, but okay. If you recall, that's about double the 20-year salary of cops that falsely accused him. The mystery of Marion Gilchrist's murder remains unsolved. Oh, because it was a cop. 
Her estate worth about 11 million U.S. dollars in today's money was divided wow. according to the will that was drafted before the one that was stolen. Mm. Most of the theories around the murder surround the family members in the original version of the will. Some claim that the second version of the will favored a former maid of hers and also her illegitimate known daughter. Hmm. The end. What? So, um, this week we wanted Bernie Sanders as our special guest, and we reached out to his, um... People. Yeah, we, we reached out to his uh, PR team, and they informed us that he wouldn't talk to us even if we knew a guy who knew a guy who knew him. Right. We think we're distantly related, but jury's still out. Uncle Bernie. Yeah, but what we did get access to were some of his old audition tapes from his original career as an actor... So here's Bernie Sanders' audition. Adrian! You think that you could do these things, Nemo, but you simply cannot because the system is designed to oppress certain communities? Not the beasts! <laughs> the beasts are the 1% of bees in the wicker basket! The, the rug really tied the room together. <laughs> Bernie, are you okay? I think he's having a stroke. That was him doing... I know it was, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I was just lying splained to. <laughs>